Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. say no not more than like any other kid who was just like oh land before time's cool yeah uh i had probably no interest and then i think the story of many people is like you you see jurassic park and and you have to learn all you can about dinosaurs so i would i got all the little like paleontologist blocks where you would get like a block of cement you got to like hammer it out and find bones and then i had like the figurines and I had the books about learning about it and so I'd say for about a year or so after seeing Jurassic Park I was like oh for sure I'm gonna be a paleontologist I was like that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go to Utah I'm gonna dig up bones like I can do right now with my little kits in the backyard and then probably by the time I got to like 11 I was like oh I just want to make movies <laughs> it's it was I mean that's why I live in LA and want to you know be in the film industry because it was stuff like that where I was like this movie had such an influence on me that it changed like my interests that it changed like what I thought I wanted to be and I was like oh a movie is able to do that it movie has such influence because I think of like the other things that I was really into and probably around that time my most you know pat the most passion I had about 
anything else was maybe like S Club 7. And I never wanted to be a musician. I never wanted to be a British musician living in, living in a rundown motel in <laughs> Miami, Florida. I But I watched Jurassic Park one time and I was like, well, I'm, I guess I'm going to be a paleontologist now. Welcome back to See Jurassic Right, a podcast about Jurassic Park and you. I'm your host, Stephen Ray Morris. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the space where fandom and creativity collide. If our previous episode featured guests and listeners reliving their childhood memories through their toys, I wanted to kick off 2018 with an episode about us as Jurassic Park fans now. That opening conversation with photographer and friend Megan Baker probably seems familiar to listeners. Jurassic Park, with dinosaurs leading the charge, enraptured our imaginations and caused us to dream big without consequence. But why do we still, as adults, love this so much? And how are we expressing this passion? While communities established in the wake of our favorite stories may seem inscrutable or intimidating at times, the Jurassic Park fandom is in a curious position. As the release of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the fifth film in the Jurassic franchise, looms on the smoky horizon, the very definition of what a Jurassic Park or Jurassic World fan is constantly changing and being redefined, so that now we are in a place where everyone can and should get their seat at the table. With melting ice cream and quivering jello intact, of course, Universal, take notice. While making this podcast, I feel very lucky that I've gotten to connect with members of the community who've been holding it down for a while. In between obsessive chatting about Jurassic Park, I also asked Brad Jost of the Jurassic Park podcast, Asis Sandu and Chris Pugh of Jurassic Outpost slash the In General podcast, what got them involved and how this shaped their own experience as fans. Well, man, I it, I mean, the fandom goes back, you know, as far as you can think. And I mean, I was on those JP Legacy boards and, and stuff like that. So I was interacting with people, but like, uh, I, I still felt like it was a small community. I feel like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that and Reddit even has, has kind of opened it up even more. But, um, you know, somewhere before Jurassic World, I, I just decided like to have the podcast, but I had been thinking about it for like years and I just never pulled the trigger. I've been listening to um, the indie cast since, you know, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. So that was 2008. And I was thinking around that time, like, I, you know, I should start my own for Jurassic. I never did until, you know, 2015. So I was a little late on that train, but um, I, you it's know, never I've too been early to start for a while. It's never too early to start a podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, I had I had a I had a music podcast back in 2008, and then I had so many issues and glitches and problems with it that I quit and didn't do it until 2015. I mean, I, I've submitted segments and different things to other podcasts, but never like officially decided like, all right, it's time for me to say something or to do something like that. Because, for example, again, the indie cast is is what I modeled the Jurassic Park podcast off of like they take listener submissions and like I've been sending into them for years and 
they just have anybody, anybody who wants to take part. And I just kind of modeled it off of that. And I'm like, Jurassic needs one of those. We need to, you know, kind of um, do the same thing, I think. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to blame Jack on this. I'm going to blame Jack Delamar because uh, he and I first started messaging each other like 2010, 2011. It's when I first became like super into like the fandom, like online and stuff. I'm like, oh, it's a new Jurassic Park movie. Joe Johnson's talking about it. Oh, Steven Spielberg. Oh, you, you know, you can't sell the same hamburger three times or something like that. You know, whatever Joe Johnson used to say. So, you know, I started messaging with um, Jack and like eventually we just saw like we just hit it off and stuff. And we just eventually found Chris and then Alex and then Ryan. And we just found this like cool group of guys. Where we can just chit chat like Jurassic and just like other life stuff about you know a good core friendship and uh we met up this year in philadelphia and just we had that event we hosted with uh universal the first ever uh jurassic world or jurassic park fan event which was a lot of fun uh, you know ultimately i guess first i'll say 2010 2011 yeah it's when i first became like this you know, engage in the community. You know, it was really accidental. I was always, I was never, um, so I was never like really, I would never frequent like the JP Legacy forums the way a lot of other people did. Uh, nor would I really frequent Dan's JP3 page as much. Shout um, out. I frequented uh, JP Toys. So I was really active on JP Toys and those forums for a long time. I was, I guess I was more passively active because, I mean, I think I joined those forums in like 2002 or something like that, and I don't have as many posts as you would expect. But I was an active member nonetheless. I was always on it. And um, somehow when uh, Jurassic World, you know, Jurassic Park 4 then, started become, coming into fruition, I don't really remember how or why, but I guess I knew some things about it or something. I don't know. And I think uh, Assis was writing for, uh, you know, it was JurassicPark4.org. You know, it was then became JurassicWorld.org and now Jurassic Outpost. Uh, and, you know, he started talking to me. And then I guess he talked to Jack about bringing me on. And it was just something, it was like, yeah, sure, why not? Okay, cool, that sounds fun. Um, but I think it happened at such a crucial time in my life where, uh, you know, I was using Twitter as a distraction for some things. And I think that everything just kind of fell into place. You know, my love for Jurassic Park was always, it hasn't changed. Like, it wasn't like I wasn't super into it. But I didn't necessarily put myself at the forefront of the community. I mainly observed for a very long time. And a lot of, like, my knowledge and stuff like that was just kind of kept to myself and on a more personal basis. But I think everything kind of fell into place at a crucial time. And it became a really, like, important outlet for me to involve myself in that community and I really started to begin to enjoy the discussion and the discovery that came with it. This podcast, See Jurassic Right, and my book, Molding a Jurassic Universe, are how I've chosen to express my own obsessions. Well, you can listen to my childhood fanfic if you want on those Friday segments, but I wanted to chat with a few folks about their creative endeavors. From a super fan gone viral, Jurassic Becky, humorous DIY mimicry, Maria Wojcikowski, aka I Look Like Laura Dern, surreal and pointed digital parodies, Sick Triceratops, musicals, Chris Permonte, and also burlesque, 
The Hollywood Jane Review with Jurassic Peak, produced by Blanche Bourgeois and featuring Veronica Voss and Georgia O'Keeffe that soaks in the sexy side of Jurassic, they not only share a love of these films, but it sparked them to go and do something creative and interesting in their own right. Hold on to your butts indeed. So I, when I was growing up, I was born in 1994. So I was born the year after the movie came out. And growing up, I like never cared about it. (laughs) So uh, through high school, I dated this guy who like loved Jurassic Park and he was always like, watch Jurassic Park. But my sister had told me like when we were kids that it was a scary movie and I like can't handle scary movies at all. I don't want anything to do with scary movies. Um, And so I was just like, oh yeah, like I'm not really into, you know, scary movies or like horror movies, which is kind of what I thought it was. And I just never really cared about it, never watched it. And then um, when Jurassic World was coming out, uh, I was 20. So I was getting married or I had gotten married to this guy. um, And he was like, yeah, this movie's coming out. Like it's got Chris Pratt in it. I know you've been watching Parks and Recreation like and you really enjoy him. And it's I like you do really enjoy like dinosaurs and um you know, I've always loved going to like natural history museums and like learning about just dinosaurs. I think are super cool. Who does it? And so anyway, he was like, you're going to really like this movie. But in order for you to watch it, you have to watch Jurassic Park and The Lost <laughs> World and Jurassic Park 3. And I was like, OK, yeah, sure. I watched Jurassic Park. And I was like, what the heck? Why have I never watched this movie? This is an amazing movie. And it's not like I mean, yeah, like obviously we all know what it contains. Like it's pretty violent and there's some gore but it's like nothing like the stuff that i like you know i don't like scary movies like halloween horror movies and stuff like that so i was just like why have i not watched this for my entire life this is incredible and so um then we watched the lost world and i loved that and jurassic park 3 and i thought that was fine (laughs) (laughs) that's the best reaction to jurassic that was fine (laughs) it was fine and then uh yeah we watched jurassic world and we went and uh, watched it in this, like, <clears throat> we spent, like, $20 on going to, like, this, like, VIP theater in, like, downtown. And they had this, like, curtain, like, rose. And you were in these, like, this smaller theater with seats that were, like, heated. And they brought you, like, chicken strips. And, like, it was amazing. So it was just kind of an amazing experience. But then I watched the movie. And I, like, I loved it and I totally understand why people don't love the movie anyway I loved it so I watched it and I just like was in awe the whole time just like stunned just amazed just like every moment totally immersed and then it ended and I like burst into tears like I was just like so overwhelmed I was like that was amazing oh and um leading up to that day we had gone to like the aquarium and the zoo and they had been doing this Jurassic park So it had been like this week of like Jurassic Park, like dinosaurs, you know, and then this amazing VIP theater experience. And I just like burst into tears and I was like, that was the most amazing movie I've ever seen. And my husband like pulled out his phone and he was like, did this little interview with me. And then um, we walked out to the car and it was like 15 minutes after the movie had ended. And I was still like bawling just because I was like, that was the most amazing piece of film I've ever seen. (laughs) And uh then he like did another interview with me in the car, and then uh, a couple days later he posted it online. And about two weeks later, it started getting posted on all of these websites. And I kept having like my professors and fellow like friends be like, "Oh, I heard you! I heard a spot about you on the radio. Oh, you were just published on Time. You were just published on Cosmo. You were just published on 
like ryanseacrest.com and just all these different things. And that was the crazy thing is I didn't cry once during the whole movie. And then it just like, I just like burst after it ended. I was like, this was, and that's the only time that's okay. Actually it did happen one time since. And it was with passengers. And I was like, is this just what's going to happen after I watch Chris Pratt movies? Like, I'm just going to start crying. But, uh, it, you know, it's still after, like, I, I, I really passionately, like, as a kind of actor, storyteller person, believe that there's, like, nothing quite like going to, especially, like, a film and seeing it for the very first time because you can only do it once, you know. And when you just, you don't know what's coming next and everything's a surprise and, and you, you guess something might happen and then it does or it doesn't. Like, that's just such a special experience. I was reading an, an io9 article where it was talking about all the big anniversaries this year. And one of the big anniversaries is when they released the Phantom Menace trailer. Mm. Like, and I, oh, wow. I don't even remember what the movie was, but they were like, yeah, 20 years ago, we saw the first new Star Wars movie in like 20 years. And it was like oh, wow, I can't even imagine what that must have. I mean, obviously, we get super excited when the trailer released and like the fervor around when the Fallen Kingdom release was like so much fun to be. I don't know if you had created your, your social media yet, but like it was so much fun to be online and everyone's reactions and everything like that. And I'm so sad because I hadn't yet. And then I watched um, I was I was super busy. I work in I actually work in film. So I was super busy with a bunch of film stuff. Um, and then. I, I was like thinking about it. I was like, I should start like calling into like the Jurassic Park podcast. And then um, our show wrapped and I finally got caught up on all of the episodes. And that's when I decided to call in. I don't know if you heard on Brad's podcast, my voicemail got played, but I called in in like December and like the Fallen Kingdom trailer came out. And uh, that's when I was like, and I heard about everyone else's like reaction videos and everyone's like reaction episodes of their podcast. And I was like, dang it. I, I want to talk about this too. So that's when I, you know, so it was kind of, and it was also kind of like a 2018, like this is my time to like come out and talk to people about Jurassic Park. But I am sad that I didn't like get a jump on it a month before. So I couldn't have been, you know, a part of all of that posting my reaction. Cause I was like, maybe I should just make this a thing where I just post my reactions to like new Jurassic Park related things. I mean, that would but, be, uh, yeah, no, that would be really cool. I'm like, <laughs> It was definitely that. So I, I was um, working, I, I listened, I think, to like, I caught up on probably six episodes of Brad's podcast in like a day and just like constantly hearing like, you know, send us an email, send us a voicemail. That plus um, Fallen Kingdom coming out and also just a place to dump all of my dinosaur related and Jurassic Park related nerdiness because I, I love, it's not just Jurassic Park, I love when I was in LA, I spent like half of the time going to Natural History Museum, Libria Tar Pits. Like I just love paleo history and and um, all of that kind of thing. And so, just kind of a place to put all of that, all of my, you know, post little dinosaur things I have around my house, all of my different Jurassic Park shirts, like just all of the things just related to that. I just realized that it's gotten to the point where I have so many things I kind of do that are Jurassic Parky that I should probably just have one place to put them. So my like normal friends and family aren't just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, is there anything that you do besides talk about dinosaurs? I'll just start off with the basics. When did you uh, first see Jurassic Park? Well, I, th I don't actually remember because I was, when the film came out, I was only two years old. I'm 26 now. Um, so I didn't see it when it came out in the, in the, in the pictures, in the cinema. Um, 
but I had all the toys and I was very like aware of Jurassic Park before I'd even seen the film really. And then I guess it was, it must've been when it was released on video. And I think I saw it at a friend's house or my next door neighbors. Cause I used to always go over to theirs to see like whatever film I wouldn't have otherwise seen like alien. I saw that when yeah. I was like five or something. Um, so I think I think I was probably about four or five when I actually saw it, and I, I feel like I loved it straight away, but I can't I can't really remember. But you already had the toys, so did you just like because you, you were just a big dinosaur fan in general? Yeah, yeah, I, I like dinosaurs, all that stuff. Um, so I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it. Yeah. What inspired you to start being like creative and and being involved in the community? Um, I think it was. Because I was a, a kind of active, not under the sick triceratops kind of persona, if you will. I was on like a couple of the old sites and uh, JP Legacy. I was on there quite a bit. So I was, I was sort of, I was active in the community and making like posts and sharing stuff and things like that. But I, I think I only started like my whole sick triceratops like website and YouTube and all that stuff. I think it was about twenty thirteen. And it was because I saw, I don't know if you know Jurassic Raptor in the community. Yeah, Justin, yeah. Yeah, Justin, yeah, Justin's great. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I found his, um, his his website and how it was all, all of his Jurassic kind of passion was under this Jurassic Raptor name and it was all on his site and he that's where he put all of his all of his stuff. And I was kind of like inspired, like I was inspired to be the Jurassic fan that he was. I was like, this is really cool. I want to focus it all into one kind of thing. Um, and so that's, that's what it was. Basically it's all inspired by Justin, AKA Jurassic Raptor. That's awesome. Um, and then what, um, yeah, no, he's great. Um, is there a story behind, you know, picking the, picking the superhero name, picking the moniker sick triceratops? <laughs> I can't actually remember. I think it was just because it was very like Jurassic Park, uh, like, themed obviously they say it in the film uh it's kind of a funny moment and i wanted to i knew i wanted to make like kind of funny ish videos and stuff like that um so i think it just came came from that and it's kind of like a oh, sick sick trike i don't i don't know that was just a name that i picked i guess it's just there's not really any any process i just kind of um i'll just suddenly get a, a random idea and i'll just be like oh this this could be funny i'll 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 put something together and I, I mainly use like Premiere Pro and After Effects and I'll just like throw stuff about in there and see if it's funny, see if it makes me laugh or like makes my family laugh or, or stuff like that really. And then there's like, I've kind of, I think the thing with my stuff is that it's kind of, it's a bit of a mixed bag because it's either like a heartfelt like tribute to like Richard Attenborough or the, the love that I have for the film. And then the other stuff is like, it's like a 20 second like really crap animation of like Muldoon getting killed by raptors and stuff. So it's kind of, I don't know, you know, I just, I just kind of, it's either I've, I want to do something a bit kind of, I don't know, weird, I guess. And then I'll just do that and it'll make my la make me laugh. So I'll put that up or I don't know. People but seem to like it. I think it's, I don't know. I, well, when I started the Twitter account, like literally zero followers and I was just following random people and like, I didn't really know for sure what I wanted to do. I was kind of, I was like, do I want to do like news? Do I want to be like a Jurassic Jurassic Park news account or something like that? But that never kind of worked out. And then eventually I just sort of fell into doing my own kind of stuff, brought brought my own kind of weird sense of humor to it, I guess. 
and then I've just kind of developed into like <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like a, a a weird kind of oxbow lake on the side of the rest of the like fandom. If I see something that I want to kind of like like uh, uh, take the piss out of, like the Blu-ray covers or stuff that I think is a bit stupid, I'll try and do it through humour. I guess it kind of just inherently is going to be saying something about something, so that's good. <laughs> Um, what's, what was the most fun video you enjoyed working on? I made like a little collaboration video with the people, the podcast, the uh, Jurassic Cast podcast, like a couple of years ago. And that was fun because they, uh, they basically came up with all the material. I would, I just took a, a conversation that they had and just like edited some footage around it. And it was all about Muldoon and how he's kind of an idiot. If you actually pay attention to what he does th- throughout the, uh, the first Jurassic Park film. I mean, he's only in the first one. But uh, I just kind of... It was fun playing off what they were saying because I could just... They were doing all the work, basically, and I was just putting all the putting all the images together. So that was fun. Um, I do quite like the uh, Evangelion parody one. That's probably the thing that I like most about like the Jurassic community is that we everyone seems to be like really nice to each other. Like, we've got all these podcasts working. Like, everyone's just happy. Like, oh... I'll come on your podcast, you can come on my podcast, all that stuff. Everyone seems to get along really well. There's like, there's no like bad eggs. Yeah. So as a kid, I loved Jurassic Park. Um, I was like a 90s kid. We had the VHS at home. It was one of the few movies we owned. So I watched it all the time. Um, But I didn't know who Laura Dern was. I just knew her as the lady from Jurassic Park. And it wasn't until later when people started telling me I looked like her that I that I even knew who she was. And I still knew her in my head as the lady from Jurassic Park. Um, and then once I started like doing my Instagram, I started watching more of her movies. And then I became a fan after <laughs> I started the Instagram. When did, um, when were people like, when was that a more recent thing that people were starting to say you look like Laura Dern or had that been kind of randomly happening in your life? It kind of, well, it started randomly happening. Like once I got bangs, <laughs> which was in, 2012 and I remember it so specifically um there was I was auditioning for America's Got Talent and there was a like a PA on set who um who came up to me and was like oh my gosh you look exactly like Laura Dern and I had no idea who she was talking about and I just pretended like I knew and uh and then I went back and and googled it and was like oh okay I guess I I guess I kind of see it. And uh, I was in a sketch show at the time in Chicago. And I just like started doing sketches as Laura Dern from Jurassic Park uh, in the show. And then it kind of just became a thing that I started doing was like imitating her, doing sketches based around her in different movies. And so I have like on my laptop, I have like a whole folder that just says Laura Dern and it's like all the pictures that I want to do and, or ideas that I have, but I just haven't had time to execute them uh, the past month or so. So then you mentioned just like that, you know, there's an, like there's a process to getting it all together. What is like, what is like the typical process for putting a, the photos together? Um, so it's kind of silly. Well, when I was doing it every day, I would try to get them all taken on Sunday night and I would um, pick five pictures that she had similar hair in them. Like if her hair was straightened, I would do all five that were straight hair uh, or if it was like wavy because my hair is a little bit curlier than hers. So I have to like 
straighten my hair a lot of times for the pictures. Um, and then I would just uh, start with the one where she's uh, the least made up, like has the least amount of makeup, and then move my way up to like the ones where she would have to wear more makeup. And then, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like silly. I was trying to like uh, be efficient with my time that way. And uh, I have like a ring light and a self timer on my iPhone. And then I just stand in front of a stand in my room and just take pictures by myself. It's very, very sad when I say it out loud. <laughs> I realize how weird it is. No, I mean, look, we're all, we're all making great stuff. And I think sometimes it's, I don't know, you know, I mean, again, I'm sitting in a closet right now. So, um, have you gone back and watched Jurassic Park since you, since you started doing this project? Oh yeah, definitely. I still really enjoyed it every time I've, I've rewatched it a bunch, you know, just get to get like ideas for sketches and parody stuff. So, um, I still enjoy it every time. I, I like your Instagram a lot. It reminds me a lot of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Lank from, he was from Buffy and he does the Lank's looks for less and all that stuff. Yeah, I, di- I wasn't until I started like doing Instagram more like, seriously, quote unquote. So, and then a friend told me about it. He's amazing. It's so good. Yeah, it's, um, I used to produce a podcast with him and he is just, the way he, I just, I, I, I love that, like that idea of like just working with what you have. It just feels more, yeah. it just feels more like, I don't know, creative and just in the spirit of things. Like you just, you know, like you're saying, like it, this kind of got started because people were just saying you look like Laura Dern. So it's like, well, staying true to that by just yeah. using what you have kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like sometimes, you know, having too much of a production quality feels kind of cheap, I guess. I mean, I know it's the opposite, but when you have like all of this, if you put a lot of money into something, it's kind of like, of course it's going to be good, but it's kind of impressive when you put no money into it and it's still enjoyable. <laughs> no, I, I agree a hundred percent. What I guess, what would you do or say if you, if you met her? I think I wouldn't tell her and I would just ask her for a picture. <laughs> I'd be too embarrassed to be like, Hey, or I don't know, maybe I would tell her, but then also like, I would also have to, I feel like I'd also have to like explain that I'm a, a stand up comedian and that I'm not just a crazy person who's like, you know, coming for her or, you know, I don't know. I feel like I try to imagine what I would feel like if someone was doing this to me and I have like mixed feelings on it. So That's hilarious. No, I can, yeah. I can totally see that. So many of the videos that I make for the web are music videos that involve some element of pop culture that I fan over. For a while, I was doing parody videos on Anim Fantastic. I now do original music on my own channel, Amantioch. Um, and when things were still in parody land, there were a handful of parodies and things that I wanted to meet. And one of them was A Whole New World in Jurassic World. Specifically because of the use of the word world. I probably just hummed it one day and then decided to go for it. And then finding the angle as to what it would be about. Do I set it within Jurassic World? Like, what is the take? And the take ultimately became it's my character trying to convince Molly's character to go see Jurassic World. It was this character taking kind of the Aladdin perspective of, it's going to be great. 
It's going to be everything we want it to be. And Molly's character truly doubting that that would happen. There were animated elements of our Jurassic World video. There's me and Molly flying on a pteranodon. There are some very fun things on that level. I face off against the raptors. Yes, you do. Dressed up as Owen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are Owen Grady. Yeah. Yeah, the part where you are replicating that shot, that is so funny. And it was in the green screen yeah. at this, my neighbor's apartment. Yeah, yeah. It's always a race to the finish line. <laughs> it always is. You know, still Middle Earth to me it was, trying to get it out before The Hobbit. That one, trying to get it out before Jurassic World with Hufflepuff Puff Pass, trying to get it out before the... Um, Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So that video was particularly insane at the home stretch because Jimmy and I thought we had all the time in the world. Suddenly we did not. There were... It was us on his computer that was getting old, trying to complete and render animations. And Jimmy and I stayed up for an entire evening um, leading up to the release of the Jurassic World video, which was ultimately directed by David Dipperstein. But I remember sitting in Jimmy's kitchen and we were like, all right, we might get like a few hours of sleep. We got zero. And at one point we got delirious. And so we were like, oh no, we're not going to get this out before the movie. I think it was the day of the movie. I think I had to get over to go see the the screening with so you. So you were going on zero sleep when we when we saw it together. I think so. I can't entirely. I feel that like week maybe, was probably a fever dream. Yes. I feel like maybe I like finished the video, got it up, went home, took a nap, went to Culver. I think so. I think yeah. I'm remembering now. Because that was a weird week for me because I had left a job that same week, the day before. Yeah. So like... I was also like, what is happening, you know? In this whirlwind. Yeah. And so we were just so delirious. And I remember trying to get like the exporting right. And Jimmy and I just like looking at these dinosaurs. And then we exported it. Then the coloring was off. And then we needed to, oh, it was a whole thing. But it's out there. You can see it. It's been out for years. <laughs> and uh, just know that the end of that video was me and Jimmy Scavoni up for like 38 hours straight. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I love that video. And I like that it got done. And Molly sounds awesome on it. We recorded it in my closet. <laughs> it was yeah, it was a good time. And Molly's not a big Jurassic Park fan. Um, but she was awesome. And she helped me with the words. Like I showed her the draft that I had of it. I know that one of Molly's lines that I remember was specifically hers was be enraptured by raptors. Yes. Uh, which is a new romance novel that's good. <laughs> well, Hollywood Jane review got started. Um, we're getting close to our fifth anniversary. Um, and kind of the idea was that um, I wanted to start doing burlesque, but I didn't really know how to get booked without experience. So I just decided that I had enough friends that were talented to like start my own show. So I just started a show and... Um, here we are, like five years later. We're the talented we're, friends. We're the friends that she recruited. <laughs> These are my talented friends. Um, and specifically the idea for, for Jurassic Peak. Um, well, so we've, we're kind of well known for doing a lot of nerd, nerdy themes and different pop culture type shows because we're all nerds, <laughs> essentially. Um, and a while back, there was a, a piece of art that was kind of circulating that was like viral online that was the Jurassic Park character's kind of drawn as like classic pinups mm -hmm. and someone posted it on the Hollywood Jane social media and said something like, Oh, this seems like a show that you guys would do. And I was like, 
Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> this does seem like a show we would do. Um, so we decided to do it. Like, I would say our two biggest shows are Jurassic Peak and then our Rack to the Future show. And, like, like obviously they're, like, universally beloved, but, like, they're also, like, personal to us, too. And so then it's, like, taking that the character that you maybe, like, relate to the most or love the most and then, like, figuring out what exactly it is you love about that character and then sort of focusing, at least that's what I do, and then, like, focusing your act around that or, like, what's the fun twist. So, like, when I play Dr. Ian Malcolm, it's, like, you know, he like just wants to he he's looking for the next uh, future ex Mrs. Malcolm. So like that's kind of what the act is centered around and like seducing the audience. And like that's because that's the most fun part about Jeff Goldblum is he wants to seduce everyone and everyone wants to be seduced by him. Oh, I like that you have a motivation for that act. I didn't I'm, even know that. Oh, yeah. I got motivation for all my acts. Oh. <laughs> well, in my character in Jurassic Peak is the Dilophosaurus. And yeah. what like what I decided to do with the act is that. Um, what stands out to me is that, that it's kind of underestimated that, uh, you know, um, that, that people, uh, don't like think it looks all cute and cuddly, but then it has like a vicious side. And, um, so I kind of decided to, to base it around that. And I picked a song that's about, you know, like underestimating someone, you know, like, then I come out and and get the audience. That's kind of what I was thinking. It's cool. I, I was really skeptical of the show. Like, I actually didn't think I was going to do it. And then I was uh, driving down Santa Monica Boulevard in the middle of the day listening to Holland Oats. And I was like, I have an idea. And I text message Blanche and just said, I think I want to do a John Hammond routine with a beard. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> And obviously, we are very pro yes. beards. Yeah, any anytime someone wants to wear a beard, the show. Yeah. I had a really good time putting it together. I think it's probably my nerdiest act because I use everything that he's known for, like spared no expense, the champagne popping, the beard, the being there when the dinosaurs the were born, <laughs> the cane, the mm-hmm. whoop. The push, push. Yeah. And, and what I love about that act, I mean, and kind of about the show in general, is that it, we take a, oftentimes characters that you don't think could be sexy mm-hmm. or that you don't expect to see in a burlesque setting. And like our performers are so great and find ways to translate that into a burlesque performance. And I think that's what the audience likes about our show so much is that it's not necessarily what they're expecting to see, but it's always so. So well done. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole thing about nerd lust. It's it's not. I mean, obviously, it's not classic, but it's it's more interesting. There's unexpected aspects because I think that's what audiences want to see. They don't want to know what's coming next. It's boring otherwise, mm-hmm. you know. And in a show like ours, they don't know what the hell well, we're going <laughs> to do. And I think it's like that fun balance because like they're going to a show that's a parody of something that they already know and love so well and probably have memorized but then there's that other side of like the surprise of like how are they going to make this work. Uh, I just, I use Jeff Goldblum's the, that, re- that like dubstep remix of his laugh and I was really yes. glad you allowed me to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you like, yeah, like the audience doesn't know what's coming or which characters they're going to see but they're like part of it is the excitement of like is my my favorite character going to be one of the ones that gets naked let's find out <laughs> who knows oh my gosh. yeah just thinking about that it's like i guess then as you are again taking these things that people love and translating it into into 
into this form. It's like it almost makes me think: Is there something inherently sexy about Jurassic Park? Like, I mean, I immediately think of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, but, but uh, there's like I would say it's one of those movies where like a lot of the like there's Jeff Goldblum, but there's also like Sam Neill is very handsome in it, you know, and Muldoon. Like, there's a reason his shorts those are shorts. so tight. Like. Those big muscular thighs are ripping through. And even the like Laura Dern, like it's, you know, it's like a pretty, it's a pretty sexy movie. <laughs> Everyone's the stuck in a jello. Exactly. Yeah. The jiggly the jello. water shake. They're all really tight and real sweaty. And like they've got all their like hormones running. So they're like racing for their lives. Even Samuel Jackson, like, you know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to that butt. Yeah, exactly. Hold on to your butts. Yeah. So that's many true. butts being held yeah, I mean, in that the, movie burlesque taglines that we've pulled from the movie yeah. like just wrote themselves you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do anything yeah, hold nope. on to your butts a clever yeah. girl and mm-hmm. it was all written in there yeah. <laughs> i i really like to trust the performers that i have in the troupe because i think they're all so amazing and so talented and so different and they all bring you know different things to the table and like things i could never possibly come up with so i usually just put put out the idea and have them pitch to me what they want to do. Oh, and cool. it's it, luckily it's not even very often that a lot of people want to do the same characters because they all are so different and have different ideas of what they think, you know, will work for them. And um, so I just take all the great ideas that they send me and then make that into a show. So that's usually, it's usually my strategy is just have amazing, talented people <laughs> that work for me. That's so cool. We get a lot of leeway with this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't tend to say no very often because I, I just, love the ideas that they have but yeah no i really like i love burlesque because it incorporates all so many different elements of like acting and dancing and vaudeville and drag and like you can make it as weird or as classic as you want uh because there's so many sort of different avenues for self-expression with it and like i've always just wanted to be a drag queen i think and like this is as close as i'm gonna get and so i'm really embracing that i've been dancing since i was five years old and um I was in like professional companies as a kid and I did theater as a kid as well. And then I did Rocky Horror and I met Blanche that way. But burlesque was something that I was always interested in. Even like as a kid, I remember seeing Gwen Verdon and Damn Yankees do um, whatever Lola wants. And she strips in that routine. Like she only takes off a couple pieces, but I was like, whatever she's doing with dance and acting right now, this is funny. And this is like, a word I don't really know a lot about sexy and I was like mm-hmm. so into it and that moment has always been very iconic in my mind um, as what I want to embody on stage uh, finding that line of humor and sexiness and I feel like burlesque is like one of the only art forms where you can really do that and stretch it and see where that goes because that's what burlesque is it's uh, that vaudeville aspect mm-hmm. That a lot of people don't really do, unfortunately. Yeah, because the like the meaning of the word means to like parody or mock. So like you used to like it used to be like a verb. You used to like burlesque something. Oh wow! Uh, and so yeah, so its roots are in are in comedy and vaudeville and things like that. And I think that's also what particularly 
appeals to me as well is like finding the humor like I particularly like to find either masculine or like weird characters and find like what's how how to make them sexy like Jeff Goldblum's an easy one but like (laughs) I also do like Doc Brown and I also do Gollum from Lord of the Rings and it's like which is a good routine (laughs) oh my god bald caps are really sexy guys let me tell you but, you know, but I think that's like, I don't know, for me, like, I think that's what's like the heart of like burlesque and also what makes it so great. But that's why it lends itself so well to nerd lesque yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah. The, like the nerdy aspect, those characters, because it is a mockery. It is parody. It is humor in itself, yeah. which is what a good nerd lesque routine embodies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, it's, well, I don't, like a roast isn't the right word, but it's like, (laughs) but you're like mocking it because you love it. Like, because you know it so well that you want to like, you know, that you're kind of like paying homage to it in that way, in that like humorous way. Yeah. And like, you want to get those aspects of that character that people really, that are really iconic. I think that's why starting the show with the John Hammond routine really sets the stage. Like, it, you know exactly how ridiculous and crazy our show is going to be when it starts with John Hammond stripping for you. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. so cool. Sets the stage for the evening. Sets the tone. Yeah. Um, do you... Beard tone. Hairy tone. Hairy. Very beardy tone. If you're any kind of artist, yeah. like a painter or an actor or any sort of dancer, you know, you see something and you want to incorporate that into whatever art form you do, you know, like you really like something and you want that to be a part of it. And I know for burlesque dancers, we hear a song, we see a movie, and it starts sparking ideas because that's our art. That's what we live in all the time. That's what we're thinking about. So whenever we see or do something, it's like, I could be that character. I could totally take off that beard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I could. All right. This is an act. This is a thing. Where am I going to book this at a show? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, like, when it comes to, like, yeah, certainly with me, I think with, like, music, I hear a song, and sometimes I'm like, ooh, that makes me think of this other character. Ooh, this would be fun to do together. Like, we actually, I also use the same Hall & Oates song that she uses in her Hammond act, but I use it for my Freddy Krueger act, because I was like, I think it would be hilarious to have Freddy Krueger strip to, uh, you know, you make my dreams come true. Um, oh, my God, it was that's like, so great. And then again, it was like, yeah, and then I was like, well, I could probably find a show where they'll let me do this on stage. Uh, but I think it's also, like, what you were saying, like, is it, like, is this just like the right sort of like cultural moment and I think we are at this point I think with like the internet and everything where I think people are realizing they're like not alone in their tastes you know and that like a lot of people like love the same things and kind of want to like celebrate those things together like I know like nerds used to be like really proud of like I know the most about this thing and no one else does but I think maybe now that they're like coming around I mean and and that ties into certain things too with like this being a predominantly sort of female space getting to celebrate nerddom because we get shut out of it in a lot of other spaces Uh, and so this is our way of sort of like taking it and owning it and like being like this is ours too and we're gonna celebrate it by making it sexy Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom will be released in the U.S. on June 22nd, 2018. And while we wait, we create. The fans have risen to the occasion. Lord knows we could talk about Jurassic Park all day as well but we're hungry for more. When chatting with Jurassic World star Lauren Lapkus, she played control room operator Vivian Krill. She also has a few amazing podcasts and she's in my favorite improv group in LA, Wild Horses. She shared her own experience with the fandom that is illustrative of where we're at and where we hope to be. And I know my guest, past and present, and I feel so much about what it could be because we just love this so much. Being part of this thing, have you seen any of that or like, like how has that interaction been like or being part of that? It feels like that on social media. Like there's definitely like, it feels like there's a Jurassic world community on there. That's like, like rabid fans for sure. I'm which, I mean, I get it. It's a huge franchise. So, but I don't feel like it's like the same as a Marvel thing or like, just because there's so much like lore with all those characters that go, they go back so far. Um, But even, yeah, just with, I mean, and it might be different too. Like, Chris Pratt's perspective or perception of it might be totally different than mine, but just to even see on my Twitter that people are like obsessed with Jurassic World is interesting enough. So yeah, yeah. I think there is a, a little community there for sure. That's cool. Yeah. So it's been it's been pretty cool to like see that. Yeah, yeah, and to just have people like being pumped about it. It's awesome. It's fun to be part <laughs> of anything that people enjoy. So <laughs> I'm thankful for it. Yeah, I think I think the majority of the people are are upbeat and positive about it like we've been talking about. I think a lot of people just want to love it and like you said it's it's so small and the community is only a small corner of of fandoms. You know, like the Star Wars fandom and podcast communities are far reaching. It's like an entire galaxy <laughs> of podcasts and communities. Jurassic is like a few corners. <laughs> like it's not, it's nothing crazy. It's nothing huge. So we all kind of know each other. We all get along and just, you know, like you said, no gatekeeping. It's just like we all do our own thing and try to focus on a different, you know, corner of of, of the community and just build our own thing, but interact. And it's great that everybody interacts like that. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because a big thing that I enjoy about your writing is that you're very empathetic to fan communities despite not necessarily being in the fandom um which i think is really like i think that's very to me i would say that's very valuable as a writer because you can it seems like in your writing you can dip between um looking at kind of like what a general audience might think of this thing that's happening whether it's yeah wonder woman or um x-files or something like that but then you can also dive 
in and understand why people have like these very niche criticisms or or excitement over a particular reference or an Easter egg or anything. And like, um, I'd be very curious and what, you know, and maybe I don't know if you would have an opinion or not, but is there, has there, have you seen anything, is the Jurassic Park community even visible to you? Somebody who is covering for all these different websites, like when you, cause you have written a few articles about Jurassic Park or related to Jurassic World is, do you get the sense that there's even a Jurassic Park community at all? I'm in like a, I'm in like a Facebook group where we, it's, it's basically just people who are, are fans of stuff. And I would say in the Facebook group, there's not like a huge Jurassic Park presence. Like we talk about fanfic. We talk about like shipping. We talk about all these things, but we, I, I mean, I would say I don't think anyone's ever brought up Jurassic Park. Um, like I didn't even know there was fanfic until, like you said it. I mean, I think I should assume there's fanfic for everything. I should, I definitely know a lot of people who are fan, big fans of Jurassic Park, but I don't think they're necessarily as vocal in the circles that I run in. Like I know, I know I have like four friends that are really into dinosaurs, so I never see anything dinosaur related. I'm like, here you are, <laughs> like send you the dinosaur related items because I know you're gonna enjoy this. I think that the community. I I do think that the lead up to Jurassic World. I, I'm not sure if there was one event, but I do think that the constant lead up to Jurassic World really did begin to unify the community in a in a sense, and I really think that um. <laughs> Nate, what he started doing in Jurassic June gave people something to latch on to. Um, I'm trying to think of like there was one single singular event that I can like say like oh that really built up the community in a way, and I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, maybe it remains to be seen. Maybe it's something that you know. Uh, now that people are taking, now that the mainstream is taking Jurassic Park seriously again, maybe it's Jurassic World 2 that'll be that for people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that there's, like, the one idea that a lot of people really wanted, like, because everyone loves Jurassic Park, and they enjoy the sequels, or at least they have a mild interest in them, even if they don't love them. Like, there's always a bit of a mild interest in the sequels, but obviously it's more than just a mild interest considering the way Jurassic World, you know, stormed the box office. Yeah. Um, but I think the one thing that's maybe holding the community from being super full-fledged with things to discuss is because so far it's only movies. There aren't any, um, there's no, like, real expanded universe within, like, in the idea of novels or comics or video games, um, or even, like, lore added to the toys, and that's something that I know that they're actively trying to work to adding to the franchise. You know, I've heard talks of animated series, and I've heard talks of spinoff films. Um, very real talks, actually. So it's something that probably will happen. It's probably something that might even be happening now. I, that I don't know. But uh, I think that when that begins to happen, I think that that will really kind of bring the community together with novels and comics, as long as they you know have the idea of continuity uh, ingrained into their design, I think that it might really give the community something to embrace, discuss, and not just, you know, wait, anticipate the latest movie and the latest news. It, it's going to open up these different outlets for exploration. And I think that that should really um, add to that unified community in that active community sense that maybe Jurassic Park sort of is struggling to achieve. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I it's funny because that was that you sort of are tying into my next question, which was that idea of like, you know, uh, I think in this in this world now where we have the story think tank of Star Wars and we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think audiences are, you know, audiences are just they expect more they expect to live in a in a in a living breathing world of their fandom you know whatever it is and you know it's something that i think maybe you know you and i have discussed is maybe that's that it and like you're saying that that's hopefully what we're moving towards is that Jurassic Park will not only modernize well it almost needs to it doesn't necessarily need to modernize itself as a set of movies because Jurassic Park really is the perfect blockbuster and it really refined what that meant for it's timeless yeah it really refined what opinion. that meant for for our modern it really refined what that what that template was and we owe you know ev- everything to that today in terms of big blockbusters but maybe the franchise needs to modernize the the movies don't need to modernize it's the franchise itself the idea of a franchise itself that needs yeah. to modernize the itself. brand the brand needs to modernize itself yes i think like less less so the movies but the brand itself um that really that, that's a lot of weight on universal and it's something that their brand development team really doesn't do for any franchise and i know that they're struggling um but I know that they're making progress, or at least they're hopefully making progress. We can't really say for sure until they actually put their output out. But I know it's the idea, the hope. And I think there should be more to basically inspire the imagination, the the voices, and the creativity of the fans. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's 100%. They need to take that seriously. And I think, you know, as Marvel and Star Wars have shown that, you know, it's possible to make great content and still put out all the things for people to buy and people will people will pay it oh god i already fell into a reference i kind of think we you know fell on the same trajectory like with jurassic park 3 kind of falling off and and just i you know for no reason other than we probably just were getting a little too old for it you know and too maybe too cool or something i don't know <laughs> it's just you know it's just that it's just that it's just that time in your life where you kind of like let those things go for a little while and then everything comes back around and you're like yeah that's right i mean i do love these things and i i can talk about it i can find you know people that are just as interested because during that time period after you know after lost world it was kind of like just myself you know, before that, it was like me, my sister, my brother, or I don't have a brother. What, am I, what did I just say that for? My cousin. <laughs> I meant to say cousin. He's like a brother. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were really into it. And then we kind of like, you know, we're all growing up and getting older. And then like, it's just yourself and, and nobody to talk about it with and nobody to, you know, social media is just like starting to become a thing during these, these times. And, and, you know, then you're figuring out that there's people all over the world. Like I never would have thought that I would talk to people in the Netherlands or, you know, hmm. Australia or any anywhere. Like it anywhere in the world you can find a Jurassic fan and it's kind of amazing. Like you almost think like it's just you in in a weird way. And then like you said, the twentieth anniversary comes around and and I go back to that theater and I'm like, Oh man, it's so great. And then like I, since then I've seen Jurassic Park in theaters like I can't even I can't even tell you how many times it's been so many times. So it's so funny that it's like, you know, 
it's out there everywhere now, and everybody's loving it. Everybody's showing up. Right now, we're just at the very beginning of of this promotion, and and just like wondering, like, what are your thoughts on like what are the next six months going to be like? Oh my, you know, I have no idea because going into uh, you know what, like a few weeks ago before they started promoting it. I didn't know what to expect from Universal. And I, I, I kind of figured it'd be like the past where they, they don't give it enough credit, you know, that Jurassic needs. You know, it's one of the biggest franchises in the world. And I kind of figured it would be like like last time. I mean, they did a good job marketing it, obviously. I mean, it made a ton of money. But I feel like it's like second fiddle to a lot of other franchises. But they kind of blew me away the other day with how much, you know, uh, force they put behind the the promotion for it. So coming up in these next six months, I honestly don't know what to expect from the marketing standpoint. Um, right now, we're at this weird point where um, you know the fans, a lot of the fans, are really on board with what we saw. Um, some aren't. In terms of my own personal fan energy, creating these songs makes me feel very actively celebratory. That it's like something's coming up. Let's make something. You know, I'm not a visual artist. I can't draw. But I can sing and I can write a song. What would you say is the most unique thing about the Jurassic Park community? Oh, I think it's our ability just to connect with other people so quickly. I think, you know, like if someone tweets at me, I'm like, okay, I'll tweet with you for a bit. And all of a sudden we're direct messaging. We're talking about other things. Aside from Jurassic Park, like Star Wars, life, uh, cars, you know, like sports and stuff. You know, it's like this instant connection brought on by Jurassic Park. I think it's just the adaptability we have as just Jurassic Park fans, much like the characters in the movies. We're very adaptable people, I think. It's It's just a ton of fun, I guess. I don't know. You have a Jurassic Park tattoo. I, I feel like do we have should, a I, I feel like I would be. It's funny because I was like writing down questions, and then it just at the last second I was like, "Wait a minute!" Like we have to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I would love to. Uh, yeah. When did you get it? What's what are the origins? So, uh, it was my probably my like sixth tattoo, uh, and my first. Mo- I only have two movie tattoos, uh, and for Jurassic Park was my first one, and it's like I said, it's that movie was so influential to me and it's a movie I've never stopped loving. And I think something that I wanted to get tattooed was something that's like, Oh, this is a thing that's like stuck with me for a very long time. Uh, I got it when I was, uh, 22. Uh, and it is my favorite tattoo to this day. Cause it's, it's also my biggest tattoo. Uh, cause I went in, I got all my tattoos on the same, uh, s- same store in Hollywood. Uh, atomic tattoo which is like next to ucb which is like why i've always went to that place because i could go get a tattoo and then go see a ucb show uh so i went in there and i had i just brought the logo the the jurassic park logo of the skeleton of the t-rex and i went to the artist and i said i want this but all of it and (laughs) he's like what i said i want a full jurassic park 
T-Rex skeleton, but definitely in the style of that top. So he designed the rest of uh, the skeleton and I wanted the tail to wrap around because I thought that's also something that looked cool. It's very like, it's cinematic in a way. I get a lot of people, if you just see the bottom half of it, it looks like a xenomorph. So there's something very like cinematic and I think kind of like badass and cool about having that wraparound tail. So it took about, uh, it took two sessions. The first one, five hours, the second one, th- uh, three hours. And I just have a big ass Jurassic, uh, park tattoo on my, uh, left thigh. And it's my favorite thing. One of the great things about, like about Jurassic park is like the movies are fun and all, but like it's the connections you make with other people around the world. And like these brand new friendships you made, like, you and I are talking right now. I think we would never have, this would never have happened if it wasn't for Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. And we have like Chris, Jack, and like the other boys. Like we, we we had a house together. We partied up for like three days. That would have never happened in the Jurassic World. And like there's a bunch of people on Twitter I have like like everyday connections with. It's like, you know, it's creating like this family unit. It's almost like a Jurassic family. And I just love that. It's like the best thing about these movies. Like if the movies never ever happen again, I'll, I'll be fine with that because I have all these amazing friendships and connections I've made with other people, you know? So it's like, yeah, I don't have the movies, but I have you guys. So it's like, you know, I, I think that's what that's what really keeps me coming back to the community and keeps me invested. It's like, okay, but who will I meet next? What can we as a community do together? It's like, when will we all meet together and have this huge, like, massive Jurassic party with, like, drinks and, like, you know, trivia and like watching the lost world seven times in a row you know just fun stuff like that you know oh um i think that a great jurassic park fan i think that they've thought about everything in the movies a lot i think that they know where they stand on things i think they know what they like and what they don't like and i think they know they have thought about why they don't like things like if you don't like jurassic park 3 that's fine but why if you don't like jurassic world that's fine why like you don't have to like every single part you know the book the movie uh the movies you don't have to like everything but but at least you know have thought about it and and study it and and think about why i think having an interest in in uh dinosaurs today is is as a great uh part of being jurassic park fan and i think uh just you know getting to know all of the different being being so excited for the next movie being an optimist and um, help it help kind of keep everybody psyched. I think that's what makes a really great Jurassic Park fan. Jurassic Park is one of the most, if not the most important films in my life as a filmmaker because I saw it at a time when I was thinking about, you know, uh, what do I want to do with imagination? <laughs> Pretty much. Like, what, what do you want to do with all this creativity, all these stories that bubble up in your head? Some people just forget them. Some people write them down. Some people try to act them out. Some people paint them. Watching Jurassic Park and seeing the marriage of what was clearly CGI or puppets and a story that is engrossing to audiences of all ages made me want to make movies. Because it wasn't like, oh, it's impossible. or It was the fact that it was possible. And it was the fact that a bunch of these humans got together. And as far as I was concerned, brought back dinosaurs. 
that was so impressive and amazing to me. And anytime I give any of the sequels any grief, it's I think it's because I put Jurassic Park on this, such a pedestal because it is to me the shining light of American cinema. Like it really is my guiding star where I wanted I would love to tell stories or be part of stories that do something as impressive as Jurassic Park. And it's just the clear and clean Jurassic Park is cinema. So what Jurassic Park means to me really is the cinema that I'm obsessed with and that I love. And I'm so proud to call like my childhood, like my childhood inspiration. Um, So yeah, it's just this, this North star, (laughs) which I watch maybe once a month. (laughs) This has been episode nine of see Jurassic, right? My guests on this week's episode and future episodes were Lauren Lapkus. You can follow her on Twitter at Lauren Lapkus. Jurassic Becky. You can follow her on Twitter at Jurassic World Girl. Maria Wojciechowski. You can follow her on Twitter at Rio Wojo and on Instagram at I Look Like Laura Dern One. Jurassic Peak. You can follow them on Instagram at Hollywood Jane Review, Veronica Voss, and Miss Georgia O'Queef. And their show comes back to the Rockwell on February 6th. I'll be there. Also, Sick Triceratops. You can follow him on Twitter at Sick Triceratops. Brad Jost. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Jost. Assis Sandu, you can follow him on Twitter at Assisman. Chris Pugh, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Likes Dinos. Chris Bermonte, you can follow him on Twitter at Amantioc. Megan Baker, you can follow her on Twitter at Comedy Hipster. Omar Najam, you can follow him on Twitter at Omar Najam. And Heather Mason, you can follow her on Twitter at Nerd Heather. While episode 10 drops one month from today, be on the lookout for a mini so dropping next Tuesday. I'll be playing voicemails and reading emails sent in from listeners like you. Also be on the lookout for future mini-sodes and special segments as well. And now you can support See Jurassic Right on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Right and check out the See Jurassic Right Facebook group by searching See Jurassic Right Podcast on Facebook. Now, I have two questions for you. If you want to tweet at me, call in, or leave a voicemail before next month's show, these questions are, if you could experience any moment from the Jurassic franchise in real life, what would it be? And if a real Jurassic Park existed, would you go? 65 million years of waiting Oh yeah Oh alright Oh yeah Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicright at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.